of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, until the praise of His glory. Uh, I want to speak to you today on uh, God's purpose for man. Uh, God's purpose. Uh, what are we here for anyway? Uh, if you ever thought about it, you, you're born, you grow up, you get married, you have children, they grow up, and you get old, and, and then you die. Uh, is that all there is? Is that what life is all about? Surely, life has more meaning than that. And I'm glad that it does. And I'd like to talk about that today a little while, on uh, the purpose of God in, in, in uh, all that He's done for man. Uh, the creation of man. First of all, uh, I believe in creation, and uh, I believe any uh, normal person does believe in, in creation, but certainly Christians ought to believe that. But I want us to go back to the book of Genesis, and uh, chapter 1, and uh, we'll see God's purpose in His creation. Now, in this chapter you have uh, the record of the creation account. Uh, and the, what, what God is doing. You, you read about all these days, these six days of creation, and God rested the seventh. Uh, what's the Lord doing anyway? Uh, why did He do things the way that He did them? He had a purpose. He had a plan. And God knows the end from the beginning. Uh, he knows everything. And therefore, because of that, his plan, of course, is perfect. But on the first day, uh, we find that the Lord uh, separated the uh, day from the night, uh, the day he called, or the light he called day, and the darkness he called night, uh, that he divided the day up. You'd have, uh, you'd have uh, you know, so many hours of daylight and so many hours of darkness. Uh, that's, uh, of course, what, what the Lord has in mind, what the Lord is doing. He's preparing the earth for man. Uh, 
Uh, everything, you know, we, we, we hear a lot today. They had on the news this week about uh, the New Age movement and how Asheville is becoming kind of a mecca uh, for this New Age uh, uh, thinking uh, that, uh, uh, that uh, a worship really of nature, worshiping the creature rather than the creator, Romans tells us. And uh, people are... Uh, you know, they, they lift animals to uh, the same level of man. They, uh, they worship trees and hug trees and, and believe it's wrong to cut a tree down, believe it's wrong to kill an animal uh, because everything's God. Uh, this type of philosophy, well, uh, I think if you study the creation account, you can see that uh, that the Lord rejects that and that man is his ultimate creation and everything was created for man and for man's benefit and man is to glorify God. Now in the day and night, of course the Lord knew before he created man that man would need the rest. He'd need, to, he'd need the day to work in and the night to rest in. And I realize some people have to work at night. I worked the third shift about a year one time, and that's enough to do me for a lifetime. I believe the night's made to sleep. <laughs> and uh, uh, the daytime is made to, to work in. But we need that refreshing. On the second day, the Lord created the ferment and the air uh, because man would need air to breathe. We can't live underwater. And the earth was covered with water, according to Genesis. There, the, that uh, darkness is upon the face of the deep. The earth's complete covered with water. And, he, and uh, before the, uh, these acts of God in creation. And then on the third day, he separated the land from the water. Um, we need both. Uh, we need water to, uh, to drink. We need uh, the body. I forget what percentage of the body is water. We need land to grow our food on. We need land to live on. And then on the fourth day, he created the sun, the moon, the stars, the importance of light. Uh, you know, when you were in school and studied photosynthesis, the, uh, the plants, how they are able to use the light to manufacture food. And light is important, important for our, our very survival. And then on the fifth day, he created the birds and the fish. Birds are important. Eat the insects. And uh, some people just enjoy watching birds. Birds are pretty good to eat. I've spent a great deal of my life eating birds. <laughs> chicken especially. Chicken is a bird, isn't it? Uh, someone said they'd put a lot of chicken in the ministry. Uh, but uh, anyway, birds are important. Fish are important. A lot of people enjoy fishing. Fish are important to the water keeping that all in balance. And then on the sixth day, he created the animals. And then God created man. And everything that God did up to that point, everything the Lord did was for this purpose, for the survival of man right. upon this earth. Then in verse 26, let's read about it. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God gave man dominion over everything he created up to this point. 
And the only creation that he said he made after his image and his likeness was man. Didn't make animals after his image or his likeness. Didn't make the birds or the fish. Didn't make anything after his image or his likeness, but he did man. Made man. Verse 27, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Y'all know what God looks like? God looks like a man. Now, we're, our image is tarnished. Uh, we, are, we are tarnished by sin. And God, of course, is perfect. But Adam was created in the image of the likeness of God. God has eyes. God has ears. God has a mouth. God has arms. God has feet. And you, that's another message. You find all that in the Bible. And, uh, but anyway, he created him in his own image. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And uh, then in verse 31, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. God didn't make any mistakes, did he? Everything I've ever done, I've, I've made a mistake somewhere down the line, you know. And But God, God's never had to redo anything. God's never had made a mistake. And uh, so God gave man dominion. Then he said, I want you to multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. I've given you absolute dominion over the earth and over all of my creation. And it's yours. And I want you to multiply and replenish the earth to fill it up. And uh, this was God's purpose. God's purpose for the earth was that man, that man in his image and his likeness live under his authority and rule the earth for God and fill it up with people. And... Uh, you know, there's a lot of discussion about uh, uh, the population explosion. They say that now uh, that, uh, that there's not enough children being born in America to, to keep it, uh, you know, to repopulate it. Uh, that, uh, in other words, their population will probably decline in, in so many years. And there was a lot of talk, well, we're going to run out of land, we're going to run out of food, and we're going to... Uh, you know, all this sort of thing. You know, uh, God, God can take care of all that. And man tries to interfere with God's purpose and, and God's plan. And he usually makes a mess of it when that happens. But uh, the creation, when God created uh, the earth, he put man upon it for a purpose. And of course, uh, you have the tragic result in chapter 3, the sin of man. <clears throat> and how the devil comes along. The devil can't create anything, but he took that that God created and he wrecked havoc and caused a sin and uh, there of, of Adam and Eve that brought the curse of sin and death upon the whole human family. And so uh, the Lord uh, knew this would happen. You say if God knew it was going to happen, why didn't God stop it? Well, God could have stopped it, couldn't he? He's God. Uh, it's just like uh, uh, sickness, you know. 
Sometimes we get sick and we believe God can heal. If God can heal, why don't God do it? <laughs> that's a question that's perplexed us, I guess, for centuries. Well, God has a plan. God has an ultimate plan. And sometimes we look at it in, in segments. We look at it in, in the, the boundaries of time. But God looks at it in, in, with an eternal view. And he knew man would sin, but he created man with the will, with the ability to choose. And uh, he, man sinned, but God had a purpose in his conversion. He, we see it in his creation. We see it in the conversion of man. Uh, that God's purpose is not going to be denied. The devil, I think, after he calls man to sin, he, uh, of course, you know, the devil had rebelled against the Lord and he'd, he'd been defeated in that effort to overthrow God and be God himself. Uh, and now he's, uh, God has created man and the devil's not going to have the authority. Man's going to rule the earth and the devil gets man to sin. And the devil probably thought, you know, I've, I've accomplished that that I want to accomplish. God's not going to be able to do what he planned to do. But you see, God was already ahead of the devil. And uh, the, Lord, the Lord already knew what he was going to do. And we have it in, in the conversion and the salvation of man. And so in, in, the, in the redemption of man, the salvation of man, the purpose of God will ultimately be fulfilled. And uh, we have in Ephesians here, uh, 1 verse 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. And uh, in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9 and 10, he says, Who has saved us and called us with unholy calling, not according to our own works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death, hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Now, God is just. God had to punish sin. When man sinned against God, uh, the Lord said, In the day thou eatest thou art, thou shalt surely die. And I've, I've heard that, uh, I've heard preachers try to explain that. They say, well... Uh, you know, one day is the Lord's a thousand years and he died within a thousand years. I, I really don't think that's the answer. Uh, you said, but Adam didn't die. You know why he didn't die? Because Jesus is going to die for him. That's why he didn't die. Physically, of course, he did die physically later. But I believe he died spiritually. He was cut off from God and the Lord clothed him with coats of skin, shedding the blood, pointing to Christ. And I believe was a picture of redemption. By the way, I believe Adam and Eve got saved. Yeah, yeah I really do. I think they were forgiven. When, and I think the Lord illustrated that uh, with, the, with the coats of skin. But we, we have the, the salvation of man. In Luke 19.10, he said, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. In 1 Timothy 2.4, Who will have all men to be saved, come to the knowledge of the truth. 2 Peter 3.9, He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Many verses in the Bible. But uh, it is God that takes the initiative. It was God that did the creating. It's God that does the salvation, the redemption. 
In Luke 15, you have the, the, the illustration of the lost sheep. If a man have a hundred sheep, one of them be gone astray, leaves the ninety-nine in the wilderness, goes after that which is gone astray. Uh, the, the, the coin that was lost, and then the son that was lost. In each case, it's the father that takes the initiative. It's the Lord that takes the initiative is what is illustrating uh, to, uh, to uh, do the saving. And uh, salvation is of God. You know, if, if the Lord didn't seek us, we'd all be in hell. That's right, and uh, I'm glad that he found me. The <laughs> only reason I found him, he found me first. <laughs> he came looking for me, and I'm so glad he did. Uh, God, uh, God doesn't want us in hell. Uh, he, uh, the scripture you read there in Timothy, he hath abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. But uh, uh, what extent will he go? Uh, he went to Calvary. He went to the cross. That's how much God cared for me. And, uh, I, you know, I have a hard time understanding that. God would love me. And if I have any hope of heaven today, it's because of his grace and his mercy. Uh, I have no goodness of my own to, uh, you know, I have, as the song says, nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. And that, that's the way, that's, that's the only way you can come, folks. We, we don't have anything to offer. People say, well, I, you know, I think I've, I think I've, I've done, done all right. You know what the Bible said? All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. It says that man at his best day is altogether vanity. That's not very flattering, is it? Not man at his worst. Man at his best. It's all together vanity. Not our sins, but you take all of your good deeds and pile them all up and bring them to the Lord. Be like filthy rags. Be like nothing. We don't have nothing to offer. And uh, so the Lord offered himself for our redemption because God has a purpose. He has a purpose for us being here. He has a plan. He has a long-term plan. He has an eternal plan. And that plan is going to be fulfilled in spite of all the devil has done and is doing. His ultimate plan will be fulfilled. Now, the third thing is the conforming of man. And he tells us here in verse 4, according as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, for what purpose? That we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Now, adoption happens after you're saved. Or it happens at the time of salvation. But, uh, but you, you know, we think of adopting as, as adopting a, a child that's not your own. Adoption, the Bible, uh, is adopting a child that belongs to you. And this is what the Lord has done. And predestination is nothing to, to get, I don't understand it all, but it's nothing to get disturbed about. Uh, predestination is according to the foreknowledge of God. Since God knows everything, then God can write the future as if, as we would write history. Right. And he writes it perfectly accurate. But uh, his, his purpose is the conforming. I want you to turn to Romans 8. Romans 8, 
Uh, Romans chapter 8 and uh, verse uh, 28. And uh, he says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. There you have it. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to do what? to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. Well, we're not glorified yet. Practically, I mean, you know, I'm not in a glorified body. Uh, that's pretty evident. <laughs> And I look out over this congregation, it's also evident you're not either. <laughs> uh, we're not glorified. But he says in the scripture, we're glorified. How can God say that? Because God, God knows what's going to happen in the future. You know, in the, in, the, in the mind of God, in the word of God, it's just as if it already happened. Now you talk about eternal security, you can't get any more secure than that. Uh, I don't, you know, in light of that truth, I don't know why how anyone wouldn't believe it. But uh, his purpose is to conform us to the image of his son. Now, going back to the book of Genesis, we read there that God created man in his own image, right? And after his own likeness. But then something happened to that image and likeness, didn't it? Goes on and says, you know, after... Can kill Abel, and, and Zeth is born there, that, uh, that Adam begat a son in his image and his likeness. I bear the image of Adam, not God, because that image has been tarnished uh, to, a, to a degree. Uh, and so, so the problem was then, but here he says, that uh, he predestinated us to be conformed to the image, to the image of his son. That's God's ultimate purpose. That Adam was in the image of the son, wasn't he? Our image of God, and God, that was the son. Uh, there, really, because, you know, all things were created by him, without him was not anything made that was made, and and uh, uh, he created all things by Christ Jesus. But anyway, his purpose is to conform us to the image of his Son. That we, that image might be restored. That we, we are fallen creatures after the creation. God redeems us, means to buy back. And his purpose in our life today is to make us like Jesus. And one day we'll be like him. Now, uh, he's still working on me. <laughs> uh, you know, he's got a long way to go, but he's, he's working at it. And uh, it's just kind of like, uh, like a little baby, you know. They, I know Scott and Jennifer's little girl, they, you know, they, they'll put that blanket over to carry outside. Boy, she don't like that blanket on her face. And, and uh, most kids, they don't like, uh, they don't like, uh, you know, washing their face, do they? And they'll kick and squirm and cry. and You know, we're like that a lot of times, aren't we? 
God's trying to wash us and clean us up and, and make us and conform us in the image of His Son. And we, we struggle against it and we kick against it, but He's still working at it. And uh, so that's His purpose. In Galatians 4.19, He says, My little children, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. 2 Corinthians 3.18, But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass, talk about a mirror, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. That's God's purpose. That's why we, we come to Sunday school. That's why we come to preaching. That's why we come to church, is that we look in the Word of God, and the Word of God uh, shows us the problem, shows us the, the wrong, and... Uh, and then the, the Spirit of God uh, works the cleansing of our soul and spirit and, and mind and whatever, that, uh, that we would be changed in the same image. It's like looking in the glass, as I did this morning, looking in the mirror, see my beard's grown out, getting the old razor out and getting it cut off of there. Now, uh, that's... Uh, that I might be presentable today. The conformant of man, that's God's purpose, that we might, this image might be restored, that we might be like Jesus, and that brings me to my last point, and that is his coming for man. In uh, John 17, 24, the Lord prays that prayer, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. God in the Garden of Eden, the Lord would come down in the cool of the day, came down to visit with Adam. And that, that, I believe, was God's purpose, that God created man, put man upon the earth, that the Lord would come down and fellowship with man upon the earth. And of course, when man sinned against God, he was driven out of the garden. And that close fellowship was, uh, was now uh, was not possible. And uh, then he brings about salvation. He tries to conform us to his image. And then one day he's coming for us. And uh, you see this earth is, uh, has a lot of problems. And the saved people are just one here and there scattered around the earth. And so God has a lot of work to do to get this earth and make this earth a suitable place for us to live. This really, this earth is not a fit place for a child of God, is it? Uh, and uh, Brother Jerry was talking about this judge. I heard listening to the news a little bit this morning and, and they were talking about that. In Alabama, they had the Ten Commandments and ACLU, that wonderful organization, you know. Uh, but... Uh, Anyway, they, they, of course, have taken him to court and all that. They, they said, well, uh, you know, you've, you've got the Ten Commandments. What you need to do is, is, uh, is move it in a, in a different wall. <laughs> you know, move it over there with something else. Don't put it there, you know, isolated. And how silly can you be? And one of the lawyers that was... Uh, you know, on the side of the judge, he was talking about the, uh, the Mayfair, Mayflower Compact and the Magna Carta and so forth was, and said there's more reference to God 
in those documents than our Ten Commandments as far as were, you know, actual references. Uh, isn't, it, isn't it crazy that there's an effort to abolish God from society? We, we live in a world that is not conducive to Christianity. If you are a, a Bible Christian, you're not going to fit in to this society. So just get used to it. You're not going to fit in. And the Lord knows that. And one day, He's going to take us out of here. And that's going to be right away, I think. I think it's going to be right away. Now, He tells us, and of course, He's going to, when He gets us out of here, He's going to judge this world. You read about the tribulation period in the book of Revelation, and when God gets through with it, when God finishes with it, He's going to bring us back. And I'll tell you something, it's going to be a whole lot different. That's right. And he's going to set up his throne and he's going to put his enemies down and cast them into hell and refurbish this earth and for a thousand years we'll reign with Christ upon this earth. And it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful place to live. And God's going to fulfill the purpose that he, he started in the book of Genesis about 6,000 years ago. Now, he tells us this, you're in verse 9 through 14, that uh, uh, verse 10, that in the dispensation, the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. And he talks about the Spirit of God's the guarantee he'll, he'll finish it. But his purpose is to gather us all together. Some of the families in heaven, some of the families on earth, we're going to all be gathered together and, uh, and the Lord is going to rule and reign. Now that's, uh, that's the plan and the purpose. In 1 John 3, Beloved, uh, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And so when Jesus comes, gives us a glorified body, the image and the likeness will be restored completely. In fact, to a greater degree than Adam had even, because we'll have a glorified body. Adam was in his image and his likeness. The Bible says we'll be like him. And we will reign a thousand years as kings and priests with the Lord and uh, uh, the Jewish remnant that are saved and the Gentiles that are saved in the tribulation will enter the millennial reign and have families and children and populate the earth and multiply and replenish the earth as God told Adam to do and he told the descendants of Noah to do or the seed of Noah there on the ark and, uh, and he will, uh, they will populate the earth and then of course the earth at that time will be destroyed and he creates a new heaven and a new earth and we go into all eternity. And God's purpose and plan for eternity will be fulfilled. Uh, he has a purpose and a plan and that plan is going to be fulfilled. We've got a great big universe. You say, well, if, 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 you, live, if you live on the earth and, and nobody dies, <laughs> where are you going to put everybody after so long? Well, God has a great big universe. 
if he made the earth, you know, you look at all the planets and all, and they, you're spending millions of dollars exploring space and exploring all these planets and everything. And, and uh, uh, you know, the only one that's habitable to man is, is the earth, really. And, but if God could do that for the earth, don't you think he could do it for other planets if God wanted to do that? I don't, I don't know what God has in mind in, in, in that line, but, but I'm just simply saying that we, we need to spend our time worrying about any of that because <laughs> God has a purpose and a plan for eternity and that purpose will be fulfilled uh, in spite of what the devil or anyone else can do. Well, I'm glad to be a part of that plan and I hope you are that, uh, that I'll be able to, to enjoy the blessings of the eternal purpose and plan of God. Let's bow our heads, please.